Welcome to the LexisNexis Emerging Issues Law Center podcast. On this edition, Jonathan Sabloni and Timothy Mungovan of Nixon Peabody in Boston on the role of credit default swaps in the current credit crunch. www.lexisnexis.com slash communities. The LexisNexis Law Centers. Your community, your expertise, your starting point for the information you need for your practice area. LexisNexis.com slash communities. The LexisNexis Law Centers. Jonathan Sabloni and Timothy Mungovan are litigation partners at the law firm of Nixon Peabody LLP in Boston. They are co-founders and co-chairs of the firm's Alternative Investment Litigation Team. They represent alternative investment funds, including hedge funds, private equity funds, real estate funds, and tax credit funds, as well as institutional investors in such funds, including investment banks, pension funds, and endowments. They are regularly quoted in the business and industry press, including the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and others. They have written numerous articles over the past several years, Forewarning, much of the turmoil related to credit derivatives and alternative investments. Thank you for being part of this LexisNexis podcast. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. John, let's start with you. Can you tell us first, what is a credit default swap? Well, Steve, a credit default swap is really just a fancy name for a private contract between two parties that, in essence, is meant to insure against a corporate bond default. And just to give you some examples, and I'm going to use um, GE just as an example, uh, pulled it out of the hat. Most corporations, GE included, issue corporate bonds. It is basically debt. So they go out to the public and they ask the public to give them money, to loan them money. And in in exchange for the money, GE or any corporate entity issues a bond. That bond is just debt. What a credit default swap does is insures against that debt. And to give you the to continue with the GE example, um, I could go out into the marketplace. I buy my I buy hundred dollars of GE debt, so I loan GE hundred dollars, and in return I get a GE bond for hundred dollars. I can go out into the marketplace, find a, a a non-related party, unrelated to GE, which we call the in this example GE, we would call the reference entity. That's the corporate entity that has issued the debt. I could go out into the marketplace and find a a counterparty, which is just somebody else in the marketplace who is willing to insure me against default on my GE debt. And the way it would work is we sign a private contract whereby uh, my counterparty agrees to a swap in the event of a GE default. And the swap is simply that my counterparty agrees to pay me $100 in cash or the value of the bond if GE goes into default. And in exchange, I give my counterparty the GE bond. So we swap the bond for the cash. Presumably, if they're in default, the bond is no longer worth its face value, but that's now the risk of my counterparty and not me. So in essence, it is a way to protect investors who buy debt against default of those instruments. And it's not just always a default. These are privately negotiated contracts, credit default swaps are privately negotiated contracts, but it's not necessarily always a default. Default will be a defined term in the contract. So it may be a bankruptcy, it may be an actual default, it may be GE going into receivership, but there are a whole host of credit events that would trigger my counterparty's obligation to give me the cash in exchange for my interest in the, the GE bond. So they're meant to ensure and protect 
investors in debt against default and other types of credit events on that debt. Well, John, how then are credit default swaps used in the marketplace? Well, they're used in a couple of different ways, both of which are very important. You've heard the description of what they are, and I use the word insurance a lot. They're not really insurance contracts, but they work in a similar way, meaning that it protects me in the event of something bad happening. So the primary way they used to be used, and the face function of credit default swaps, are exactly that, to insure against a corporate default. So we see a couple of different uses in that sort of environment. One is your typical investor who may buy a credit default swap simply to insure against a default. I may owe my $100 in GE bonds, and I may start to feel that those bonds are not as creditworthy as I once thought. So I can go out and I can buy a credit default swap to protect me in the event of that default. That's sort of the vanilla, simple way they can be used. What started to happen and what we've seen a lot of in the past few years is hedge funds in particular were using credit default swaps as a hedge against corporate debt, which also makes a lot of sense and also is sort of going along with the face function of a credit default swap instrument meaning that a hedge fund would, or another investor, but typically hedge funds, would purchase bonds, but then would take some percentage of that bond purchase, and they would buy credit default swaps to protect against default. The idea being that it's simply a hedge against default. Maybe not a one-to-one ratio, so maybe for my $100 in GE debt, I'm a hedge fund manager, I might go out and buy you know, $70 or $65 worth of credit default swaps on that bond obligation. The idea being, I certainly hope that my bond is going to pay the way I expect it to, but in the event it doesn't, I have a hedge, a two-thirds hedge against default, so I'm not totally left out in the cold if and when GE defaults. Those two examples are sort of the traditional credit default swap uses, and that's why the, the instruments were originally created. What happened, and this is a huge sea change in the credit default swap market, is that over the past number of years, a bunch of smart traders figured out that they could use credit default swaps to, in essence, short the bond market. Now, we're, most of us are familiar with the idea of shorting in the equities market, meaning that I'm going, to, I'm going to take a position in the equities market that bets that a stock will go down in value as opposed to actually buying the stock and, and hoping it goes up in value. We've never had a similar instrument in the bond market, but with credit default swaps, we do. Because if you think about it, a credit default swap, once it becomes what we call unhinged from its reference entity, is really a shorting of a corporate bond. So in the short example, if I believe the GE is going to default on its debt, one way I can short on a GE bond is to go out and buy a credit default swap with a third party, a counterparty, but not buy the underlying bond. So I don't buy the GE bond. I simply buy a credit default swap that gives me $100 if and when GE defaults on its bond. It's a way for me to make a marketplace bet that GE would actually default, and I don't take the risk of the actual default because I don't hold the bond. In that circumstance, I'm just making a bet against GE or against any other corporate entity, and I'm doing it using this private instrument, this credit default swap. 
we have seen the use of credit default swaps explode in the marketplace. And while it's not, it's not regulated, and we're going to get to that later, but one of the things we can't tell because it's not regulated is exactly how each of the, the CDS instruments are being used. But we suspect that a huge number, a huge amount, is used to short the bond market. And to give you some idea of numbers and scope here, the estimate, and it's a pretty good estimate, is that there's approximately $67 trillion with a T, trillion dollars worth of CDS obligations floating around the, the worldwide marketplace. And since there is not $67 trillion likely in corporate debt outstanding backing up those CDS, we can make a pretty good educated guess that a huge amount of credit default swaps are swaps that are unhinged from the reference entity and are simply uh, short positions on the bond market. Tim, let me ask you, have credit default swaps played a role in this current credit crunch? And what is currently happening in the credit default swap market? Steve, that's a great question. In many ways, credit default swaps, or CDS, have acted as a multiplier in the what began as the subprime crisis and really converted the subprime crisis into what is now commonly called the credit crisis. And by multiplier, I mean it's almost an additive to a volatile cocktail and made it far more explosive than it was originally. And that happened as follows. Subprime mortgages were originally packaged into collateralized debt obligations with other asset-backed securities uh, that were backed by credit card debt and auto loans. CDOs were then packaged and sold to institutional investors worldwide. Some smart financiers got together and said, what we want to do is we want to create credit default swaps that are tied to these CDOs, to these collateralized debt obligations. And the credit default swaps acted as insurance against a default in the CDOs. When the CDOs started to default just a little over a year ago because homeowners were defaulting on their mortgages and primarily subprime mortgages, the CDOs began to default and the CDS, the credit default swaps that were tied to those CDOs began to increase in value. And some smart financiers, hedge funds and others figured out that by purchasing protection, by buying CDS, they could effectively short the subprime market. And they did that starting two and three years ago. And so several hedge funds reported fantastic returns in 2007, over 100% in several cases. As a result of those fantastic returns in those CDS, there was a counterparty that had an obligation on that CDS to cover the buyer of the protection and make them whole in the event that the CDOs failed. And those sellers of protection primarily were, we've seen them all in the press, what we call the monoline insurers like AMBAC and MBIA and AIG. What happened from there is, as the financial institutions themselves began to develop difficulty and were writing off the subprime assets or assets that were backed by subprime mortgages on their books, the financial institutions began to develop some problems. Of course, there were credit default swaps, as John explained, that were tied to those very institutions. And so looking back in March of 2008, one of the 
primary reasons that the federal government intervened and avoided a bankruptcy of Bear Stearns was to avoid a lockup in the credit default swap market because Bear Stearns was a very large player in that market, both as a counterparty and as a reference entity. And so the federal government believed at the time that it could not take the risk that the credit default swap market would stop functioning, so it arranged the emergency sale of Bear Stearns. And that's by all accounts what happened. Now fast forward to this past September, and what happened is the federal government decided that it would allow Lehman to fail. It would not bail out Lehman Brothers the way that it arranged the sale for Bear. The bankruptcy of Lehman, by all accounts now, had a dramatic and disastrous impact in the capital markets, and primarily in connection with the credit default swap markets. What happened is, as the federal government realized this might happen as a result of Lehman failing, it decided that it had to bail out AIG. And it bailed out AIG. The reason that it had to bail out AIG is AIG had this massive hole on its balance sheet related to these credit default swaps that it had sold that were tied to collateralized debt obligations that were backed by subprime mortgages. And so fast forward from the federal government bailing out AIG and letting Lehman fail in the course of one weekend, what's happened since then is two major things. First of all, the credit default swaps where Lehman served as a counterparty had to be unwound. And secondly, and perhaps more importantly, the debt that Lehman Brothers had issued obviously went into default. Lehman went into default on those obligations, meaning that the credit default swaps that were tied to that debt were in the money. And that meant that the sellers of protection that was tied to Lehman Brothers' debt now had to pay startlingly large amounts of money to the buyers of that protection. And just last week, the value of the CDS that were tied to Lehman Brothers' debt were set at an auction. Basically, the sellers of protection have to pay on the order of 91 cents on the dollar to the buyers of that protection. The reason that that issue is so important to what is happening at this moment in time in the capital markets is, over the course of the next week, those contracts have to be settled. That's part of the reason why the markets were gyrating so wildly, is that everybody was afraid of who was on the other side of these credit default swaps that were tied to Lehman's debt. And everyone, including the large investment banks, was afraid to lend to any other bank. because. One of the hallmarks of the credit default swap marketplace is opacity or lack of transparency. Nobody really knows who is on the other side of all of these trades, and nobody really knows whether these counterparties have the financial wherewithal to meet their obligations, which have now been set in connection with the Lehman CDS. And part of the reason that the federal government in the United States intervened and decided to directly inject capital into the large banks is to provide liquidity to get the banks lending to each other again. And the reason they wouldn't lend to each other in part related to whether or not, they, well, they were unsure whether their counterparties had risk or exposure to CDS tied to Lehman. There's been a lot of talk recently about regulation. Is the CDS market, the credit default swap market, currently regulated? The short answer, Steve, is no. The CDS market 
is not regulated. While buyers and sellers of protection cannot defraud each other and they would be subject to penalties and inquiries if they engaged in fraudulent conduct, as a practical matter, given the day-to-day -day workings in the credit default swap market, there is currently no regulation. That being said, the insurance commissioner in New York is attempting to create a regulatory regime that would cover a certain portion of the credit default swap market. And that portion of the market is what we'll call the covered CDS. And by covered CDS, that refers to those examples that John gave where credit default swaps are actually tied to a particular reference entity and the purchaser of the protection has risk exposure to that particular entity. Let me give you an example. John owns General Motors corporate bonds. John decides that he needs to hedge his exposure to those corporate bonds and buys a credit default swap that is tied to those very corporate bonds. That is a covered CDS. The insurance commissioner in the state of New York is looking to regulate that component of the market. John and I believe that that portion of the market and regulating that portion of the market, counterintuitively that portion of the market seems to be the least problematic. And what we think may happen as a result of regulating that less problematic area of the market is that uncovered or non-covered CDS may get outlawed. That's sort of a radical outcome uh, of all of this credit crisis, and that may be something that's on the table for consideration. At the same time, the federal government is working with different groups that are looking to create clearinghouses. There's two or three different competing proposals to create a clearinghouse for credit default swaps. Those proposals are in their relatively early working stages. And while we believe that they may provide some beneficial impact on the marketplace, we don't think that the federal government will leave the market unregulated simply because a clearinghouse is put into place. What we think is the federal government is chagrined that the credit default swap market has created so much dislocation in the marketplace that the federal government is highly likely to regulate credit default swaps going forward. This is John. I, I want to pick up on the regulatory point because I think what a lot of our clients are interested in is where, do we, where are we going from here? And in my mind, the short answer is to regulation. The only question is, what is it going to look like? Tim and I wrote an article a couple of years ago entitled The Inevitability of Regulation in the Alternative World. Here, the inevitability is now accepted all around. The question is, what's it going to look like? And we believe that we're not going to know what it looks like until we see who's in the White House come January. And we believe that if there's a Democratic occupant in the White House and with a Democratic Congress, regulation is going to look a lot like securities regulation only in the alternatives market. And in fact, that regulation is likely to provide for stuff we've been seeing all along in, in the equities markets, transparency, et cetera. If there's a Republican in the White House and uh, can get the Democratic Congress to go along with the Republican proposals we've seen so far out of the Treasury, 
then we're looking at probably something a little more radical in terms of regulation. We're looking at not only things like transparency, but mergers of regulating entities like the SEC and the CFTC, as well as a, a shift in the regulatory regime from sort of a rules-based notion, meaning thou shalt not do X, to a principles-based regulatory environment like they have in the UK, which is more along the lines of we believe in transparency, et cetera. So in terms of looking forward, it's really the regulatory environment that's going to determine how these markets not only perform but function in the next coming years. And Steve, let me give you a very brief foresight into what we think might happen in the market over the next 20 to 30 days. We feel pretty strongly that there's a high likelihood that one or more counterparties will default on credit default swaps that are tied to Lehman Brothers. We also feel pretty strongly that a similar scenario will play out with debt that is tied, or Washington Mutual debt and credit default swaps that are tied to Washington Mutual. How bad things get in terms of counterparty default, we can only speculate, but we do think that there will be defaults. There will likely be bankruptcies as a result of those defaults, and certainly there will be litigation. Tim Mungobin and John Sabloni of Nixon Peabody, thank you for your insights and analysis, and we look forward to having you back for an update in the future. Stephen, thank you. It's been a pleasure, and we'd love to give an update. Thank you, Stephen. Jonathan Sabloni and Tim Mungobin of Nixon Peabody in Boston. The role of credit default swaps in the current credit crunch. You're listening to the LexisNexis Emerging Issues Law Center podcast. Copyright 2008 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. This is Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.